0: Hello, it's David Perlman for Conversations at The Whole Note. It's uh, June 20th, longest day of the year. Doesn't feel like it yet, but I'm sure it will by the end of the (laughs) evening. See
1: how this goes (laughs) first. See how this goes first.
0: (laughs) I'm with uh, Josh Josh Grossman. uh, uh, Man of many hats, I think would be the title of this one. But the hat you're wearing at the moment is, uh, at least the one that's lowest over your eyes at the moment is artistic director of td toronto jazz
1: right artistic director of toronto downtown jazz that's right
0: toronto downtown jazz still td stands for toronto downtown well
1: it gets very complicated (laughs) so it's toronto downtown jazz yeah we're the organization responsible for presenting the T D Toronto Jazz Festival.
0: Okay. So Toronto Downtown Jazz. So this is this is very much full time at this moment or?
1: Absolutely. We're I mean, about to head into ten days of full on intensive uh, activity. I've yep. I've given my wife notice that she's not gonna see much of me over the ten days, sort of high and by. Right. And hello again.
0: And, and day we, one is is which day? Is Friday. This Friday. This Friday the twenty second. And today is Wednesday, yes. so whew, 2 days to go. Yeah, absolutely. So 10 days full on clubs main stages back at Nathan Phillips Square this year absolutely. after a- brief competition with the geese on the grass (laughs) at (laughs) at David Picot Square. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And and, you know that space, the reason we moved last year is because of the construction that was happening at Nathan Phillips Square. Right. And David Picot Square worked very well for us as Mm -hmm. sort of a a temporary space. We're glad to be back at at Nathan Phillips. We just have a little more space to work with there. It's where people are used to finding the festival, so Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's all very exciting. The stage actually, was going up as of four o'clock this afternoon, so I don't know what state it's in at this I'm point. I was
0: supervised but, by you? Uh, mm. No,
1: oh, I'm the artistic director. I don't, I don't have <laughs> to worry about logistics, thankfully. <laughs> we have a great, great crew of, uh, of people, great staff that, mm-hmm. that is really, I mean, it's so many fine details when you're pulling a big festival like this together, and they just have a handle on it. This is our 26th festival. And you know the executive producer Patrick Taylor has been there since the beginning. Right. The director of operations Patty Marshall has been there for, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say on camera, but you know many many years. So they're real veterans at putting on these this type of an event, mm-hmm. and, and it's amazing to see them in action.
0: So how many how many stages? How many stages and where? I know that Nathan Phillips Square is the main stage. Right. right? So
1: we call that the hub. So we the build a, an 1,100 seat tent. Mm-hmm. On, the, on Nathan Phillips Square. We also do an outdoor stage on Nathan Phillips Square. We have mm-hmm. activities during the day on the outdoor stage for free. Um, and then other stages, we're doing free shows at shops at Don Mills and in the Distillery District. Um, and then more common names, Kerner Hall, the Music Gallery, uh, Sony Center, Church of the Holy Trinity, and then some clubs like Horseshoe Tavern and the Rivoli, the Sound Academy, the Opera mm-hmm. House and I'm sure I'm forgetting a few but so it's a, it's nice because there are venues available in the city basically of every size which is perfect because we have acts that are going to draw all different sizes of crowds mm-hmm. so we make use of the of the right size of venue that we think is appropriate for the artist and 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 it means that we can charge varying ticket prices from low to high um, depending on the artist again and the venue and and it's just a nice way to to have people experience the city, especially if they're coming in from out of town.
0: So you're gonna to get to enjoy it or you're gonna be on the hook till the last day?
1: You know, I've described the festival as being in the best playground in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it's, it's long days and I was starting to sort of build my schedule today thinking, you know, they're, they're long days. Some starting at 11 o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning and going until very early the next morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's just so much fun.
0: And what are you going to be on the hook to do during the thing?
1: Well, that's what makes it so fun for, for me as artistic director is because I'm not worrying about too many of the logistics, my job really is to go around and meet the artists, make sure that they know who I am and, and mm-hmm. that they feel welcome to the festival um, and, and then get to, to hear them perform. And, you know, that's, it is fun, but also I'm doing work there. It, it, it's amazing... How many times an artist will come to the city, and once they're on stage, the performance is really different maybe than what I would have expected. Not necessarily better or worse, sometimes better, sometimes worse, but mm-hmm. but different. Um, and so it's always interesting to be in the audience, experience that as an audience member, but also observe how the other audience members around me are reacting to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of gets filed away for future reference, and when that artist's name comes up again next time, we sort of say, yeah. Did or didn't work, or, or mm-hmm. here's how people reacted to Needs it. Needs a big
0: event. You yeah. need a smaller event. Absolutely, that kind of thing. Right? Yeah. You're going to be doing some of this as well, right? During
1: most likely, yeah. yeah. And some are phoners and some is with press, uh, with uh, print media. Some mm-hmm. will be on camera as well.
0: But you're going to be doing some interviewing. You're going to oh, be oh, me in personally, my, yes, my chair.
1: Yes, absolutely. So um,
0: say more about that. Sure. One. So
1: the Ken Page Memorial Trust has been a, a longtime supporter of the Jazz Festival, Great. and in in past years they've run, they've supported something called the Ken Page Memorial Trust Workshop Series. Mm-hmm. And it's been sort of an assortment of local artists or, or people otherwise involved in the jazz business in the jazz industry somehow in Toronto. Um, this year we changed it a little bit. We're really focusing on artists that are performing on stages at the festival. So we've mm-hmm. changed the name, still Ken Page Memorial Trust, generous, generously supporting it. We've called it the Inside Track this right. year. And it sort of gives people an opportunity to come and hear an interview with artists get a sense of what makes them tick, why they do the things that they do. Um, And it's for free every day at 12.30 on the outdoor stage in Nathan Phillips Square.
0: Oh, on the stage. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: Which is, again, it's a nice venue, a nice big venue. So we can have lots of people there experiencing it. Um, And and that's, you know, the chance to hear an artist talk about his or her craft Mm -hmm. is really special, I find. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, It's an insight into the artist that we don't often get. And reading a bio on a piece of paper is, is a bit cold. It doesn't give the true sense of who the artist is and, and, and what makes that person um, inspired or, or where the influences are drawn from, that sort of thing. So the interview setting will be really fun. So um, Jim Galloway, who's the former artistic director, right. is doing the first five days, and I'll okay. do the last four. And I've been doing my homework these past couple of days and putting together the questions, and it's, you know...
0: You, want, you know,
1: you want to be well-researched, you want to sound sure. intelligent. You people want are not good as good
0: impressed now as they would have been 10 years ago where they knew that you had to do the research rather than go to, you know, Ma Google <laughs> for everything.
1: <laughs> it's it's <laughs> still research. It's still
0: research and it's, yeah. it's pretty
1: interesting. Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, um, are, are people typically going to be interviewed before or after they do their, their performances?
1: I think it's always before.
0: Always before. Right. So, okay. um, th-
1: yeah, people will be performing either later that afternoon or, or in the evening, either on free or, or paid stages okay. around the city.
0: And are you, uh, as a player, talking about other hats, uh, Toronto Jazz Orchestra? Yes. 18 years? Did Almost. I, somewhere? Uh,
1: I think this is our 14th season, 14th so season. we're heading into our 15th year. Uh, and were you, were you nine when you started? <laughs> <or>? Thank you. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. I, it, it, I started it when I was a student at University of okay. Toronto. Um, and the trajectory of a student who's getting out of a jazz performance program is probably different for everybody. But, but for me, I was really keen on making performance a part of my life. And when I got to U of T, and even before, I had really developed a love of playing in a large jazz ensemble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to work with Phil Niman's and Paul Reed and um, uh, uh, that, that Ron Collier. That
0: faculty, so the 9 o'clock and uh, yeah, the and 10 o'clock the and 11 o'clock, o'clock and the jazz, 11. jazz orchestras. Yeah, right. You
1: know, the, it was, that was a really special experience I mean, mm-hmm. to work with people that have such a wealth and depth of knowledge about the, about the, the, the large jazz ensemble. They were all writers, so we got to play their, their compositions and arrangements. It was really special. And as my time at U of T was coming to an end, I realized that there, there weren't a lot of opportunities out there that I could see to play the type of music, and at that time it was you know Thad Jones, Bob Brookmeyer, Rob McConnell. Um, I, I wasn't seeing a lot of opportunity to perform that kind of music once I got out of the school setting. Mm-hmm. So I said, yeah, what the heck, let's put together a band of, of fellow players that are interested in doing this kind of Make blend. your own. Exactly. That's
0: what we did with our magazine, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not a lot uh, of chance to write for Toronto Life, let's just start one. There
1: you are. And yeah. I'm sure that um, you are just as wealthy as I am working off of a big band <laughs> 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 with 18 years. I mean, it's such a, it's a special thing because, um, uh, you know, everyone's realistic that they, they play in the band and we've got a couple of people that have played in it since the beginning. But otherwise, there's personnel turnover. Um, and, and the expectations are that they're going to come in, they're going to have a good time, mm-hmm. they're going to play with other great musicians uh, of around the same age and, and similar experience. They're going to play great repertoire. And my job as artistic director is to keep things fresh because mm-hmm. they're not going to make money at this thing. So the only right. thing that's keeping them there is the experience. And the beer. You know. uh, well, yeah, but Sometimes they have to pay for beer. that, right? Yeah. So <laughs> <You're> <laughs> Even right. that. Um, so I really take that seriously as, as artistic director. I mean, how mm-hmm. am I going to keep this group of 18 musicians interested, yet again, for our So is T.J.O. playing during the festival? We are. So we're we're actually, the last night of the festival, the last band at the Rex Hotel, Um, we're doing the Radiohead Jazz Project, which we we did first in December, Mm -hmm. and it was a a smash success. So we do two sets, and then there's a great local Radiohead tribute band called Idiotech, which actually is constituted of all jazz musicians Mm -hmm. who love Radiohead music. Um, so, you know, Don Scott and uh, Jessica Stewart and Terry Parker, I think, on keyboards and, and Ernesto Savini on drums. So these right. are like heavy-duty jazz players that just happen to play in the Radiohead Tribute Band. Right. So it's, we're going to do the same thing. We're bringing new repertoire. We're each bringing a new repertoire this time to change up the set list a little bit. But the format's the same. We'll do two sets. Idiotech will wrap it up. And it's, you know, it was packed. It was standing mm-hmm. room only last time, which is a thrill for us because... Um, you know the band's good we have a great time when we're playing um but we're not playing swing music we're not playing rumbas and and merengues and we're not playing Mm -hmm. uh, you know we're not playing standards for the most part so we're in a bit of a niche where it's not guaranteed that we're going to get a huge audience every time so to do a show where it's a lineup out the door
0: right that's that's something yeah so when you toss these two well that hat you wear from time to time year-round uh jazz festival i assume Has its quiet times and its and its busy times. There's dear John rejection letters (laughs) that you have to write for a stretch of the year. That's
1: that's right. Um, So really, I mean, the submission deadline for the festival is December 31st. But by that point, we've already sort of figured out a lot of the major artists that we want to approach, um, and even some of the some of the second and and tertiary stages, um, we have programmed to a certain extent. So, you know, by the time mid-September and definitely beginning of October rolls around, we're almost full steam ahead already for the for the next year's festival. Wow. And certainly the biggest names require that. They need that much planning in advance. They need that kind of notice and we need that kind of negotiation time and space. <laughs> mm.
0: You know, when I look at this particular festival, I mean, it's it's a big festival, mm-hmm. but it's also not a big festival compared to the giants of the jazz festival. Right. So I look at it and I and I say well this this festival has probably twice as much real jazz in it as mm-hmm. a as a smaller festival would but it's probably got twice as much jazz in it as a larger festival would as well. Right. It seems like you're on a funny kind of cusp yeah. with it where where it's I don't want to sort of sound too fuddy-duddy about it, but it's really true to the roots of the, of the music. Is that a good thing or a bad thing?
1: <laughs> so this is, um, I started the job in, in January of 2010. And uh, I was probably fairly idealistic about how jazz festivals run going in, and in terms of how jazz music sells mm-hmm. as, a, as a quantity, as a thing. Um, so this is one of the big things that I've had to learn, and I'm very much still on the learning curve about how the festival kind of operates fiscally and, and, and how does the business model work. Mm-hmm. So this, I think you're, you're, you're really right in terms of the size of our festival. We have to program certain acts that may be outside of what m- most people consider jazz um, purely because we know they're going to sell, mm-hmm. um, and that just boosts up the bottom line obviously Mm -hmm. but because we're not enormous we don't need as many of those types of of shows to support the rest Uh. of the stuff and so as a result we can book um you know an esperanza Spalding, and a trombone shorty and a haromi and a bad plus um, and a tower of power and the betty levette on our main stage Mm -hmm. which all are either jazz or are pretty closely related to the roots of jazz um, and get away with it and still sell the tickets required to support the festival and we can go to smaller venues like the n-wave theater down at Harborfront right. um and and sell out robert glasper and mm-hmm. sell out bill Frizel. um and and present on a great artist like karen allison and and have a strong ticket sales for shows like that um so yeah i think we are kind of ideally placed in some ways mm-hmm. the challenge still is finding the balance between um, the shows that are going to sell a lot of tickets, and the shows that artistically are most satisfying to me as artistic director, mm-hmm. and I recognize that's not the be-all and end-all. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, to me as artistic it's director, it, it's yeah. certainly part, it's of, it. part I mean, you know, of it because there is yeah, I mean, there is a desire on my part to you know create some sort of vision for the festival. Yeah, I mean, I'd say. you don't want to be
0: bringing in over the hill giants and have them forget the lyrics and call it scat, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a way of justifying why they're in your festival.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean... <laughs> I'm, I'm we're, exaggerating we're, no, just course, a little course, bit. Of but. course, and, But that's sort of interesting, too, because there are the, the legends of jazz that, that we want to make sure are represented at the festival, right. because without them, we wouldn't be anywhere. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have a jazz festival with Sonny Rollins and and, and, sure. and, and Jack Dejeanette and, and people like that. Um, but... What we've seen and experienced, and some in my time, but primarily before, before I arrived, um, is that some of these bigger name artists, these legends of jazz, are very well respected and have a very strong following within that group of people that really loves their jazz and digs into it and knows mm-hmm. the history and has been listening to jazz for years and years and years. Um, but some of those big names won't necessarily draw in a newer audience mm-hmm. for jazz. So again, here we're faced with a situation where we've got a fantastic name, legendary jazz musician, who rightfully so is asking a certain fee. Um, and then we look at our past experience and say, how do we support right. the fee that this artist is asking when we know that that person's ticket sales have dropped off a little bit for whatever reason. And, and so, you know. So it, it's, it's a, a real of a...
0: balancing. No, it, it,
1: it really, really is. And again, this is the thing that, I'm, that I had to learn very quickly. Um, because it's, it's a lot of time and energy to, to even pursue an artist to the point where we are going to make an offer. Mm-hmm. So I've had to learn very quickly whether or not he was even worth starting down that path. Right. And it's in some ways disheartening to know that artist X, Y, or Z can't do the business anymore. Especially mm-hmm. when it's an artist that I look at and I say, how, how can this person not sell 1,000, know, 1,500, 1, 2,000 tickets? Right. It, should, it should be a no-brainer. Um, yeah, but
0: we know there are no right. no brainers <laughs> exactly. in this exactly. one. Eh? Exactly. So you've got a you have got a real uh, tight group well, it's not really a tightrope, but a real—you're on a roller coaster for ten days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it again. Very much so. And afterwards, when the dust settles, and you say, oh, "Other than seeing my wife again, what <laughs> is it that I'm going to be doing?"
1: Actually, we're going to what Montreal. What are some of your
0: other? Are you going to go to Montreal? Yeah, we're going to go right? to
1: Montreal um, okay. and experience that that festival. Um, okay. I'm slightly embarrassed to admit that I've never actually been to the Montreal Jazz Festival, so ah. this will be my. My first time going, um, I've gotten to know some of the people that run the festival through uh, through my work at, in Toronto mm-hmm. and with Jazz Festivals Canada, which is this great umbrella group that uh, supports the festivals across the country. And so, yeah, we're packing up. My wife, uh, Jeanette, and our, our 11-month-old, she'll be by that point, baby. Right. My parents are going to come along and... It'll be oh, a nice that sounds great yeah it'll be a nice family trip for four nights
0: so talk a little bit about uh, some of the other some of the other work you do because it's not all in jazz correct I know I, I know you from the Toronto New Music Alliance going back and you're connected with continuum contemporary Music. Music, right. that's the name, CCM, <laughs> Yeah, the
1: right? yeah, contemporary music. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when I, I, I worked at the Royal Conservatory of Music for four years, and when I decided that I, it was time for me to move on, I actually went on from there and had two part-time jobs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One was with the High Park Choirs of Toronto, and the other was with Continuum Contemporary Music. And when the Jazz Festival job came along, uh, that's a part-time position, so I had to let something go. It was the High Park Choirs, unfortunately. It was, mm-hmm. I mean, well, unfortunately, I mean, that's just the decision I, I made. Yeah. Um, so I'm still with Continuum Contemporary Music as their administrator
0: mm-hmm.
1: and have been, I think this is my fifth year now mm-hmm. with them. I'm just wrapping up my fifth year. And whereas the Toronto Jazz Festival is an artistic director position, this is an administrative position. It's something that I also very much enjoy. It's, it's a mm-hmm. different part of my brain that I get to use. Um, very different challenges in terms of taking an organization that plays a niche music, I mean, absolutely a niche music, mm-hmm. and how do we promote the music? How do we ensure that we're being financially responsible as an organization? Obviously, government grants play a huge role in that, but we need to find other sources of revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we just, you know, what's the appropriate mix of music? What's the, the best way to program a season when, when budgets are really tight? So it's a, it's a totally different part of my brain, and it's a great challenge, um, the artistic directors, Jennifer Waring and Ryan Scott, are, are really great to work with. I mean, uh, Jennifer has a, such an incredible depth of knowledge about the music and about its history. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Ryan, who has an incredible depth of experience playing the music, mm-hmm. uh, now adds a different perspective and, and together it's like... it's.
0: Yeah, he brings everything, including the kitchen sink, yeah, right, yeah, As a de- depending on the gig, yeah, yeah right. a-
1: absolutely. It's like, you know, throwing yeah. all these sparks into a box and creating this exciting fireworks.
0: Do the two kinds of music feed off each other for you, or, or Yeah, not?
1: I, the, I mean, because jazz is sort of my first love in terms of music, it's my, where my, uh, um, my formal training right. is, um, I have a much stronger understanding and love and knowledge about that music than I do of contemporary music. Um, and and when I when I listen to contemporary music, I actually feel as though I'm approaching it from a jazz musician. So I sort of, I mean, oh, that's that's kind of a neat chord over there. That's that's being right. used. You no, know, there's you know, nice chordal progression that's happening there, and that's kind mm-hmm. of swinging a little bit. Right. Um, so it's uh, you know, there's a lot of contemporary classical music that is challenging for me, in terms of accessing it and understanding it, and and really sort of being able to get inside of it. Mm-hmm. What what works well for me in terms of enjoying the music especially with a group like Continuum, is that it's performed to such a high level. Mm-hmm. So the, the six core musicians are all, you know, Canadian Opera Company or Toronto Symphony Orchestra musicians, National Ballet um, musicians. So these are, you know, the best of the best in terms of, of this city. Mm-hmm. And whether the the piece of music they're performing is is like completely out there and is a graphical score and completely based on improvisation, or whether it's, a, it's based on a much more standard form and notation, um, it's performed so well that I'm, I'm able to go along with it. So even if I'm not necessarily, it doesn't affect me sort of uh, in a it's funam- not as fundamental, visceral, right? As a, you know, if a particular mm-hmm. piece doesn't affect me on that fundamental level, at the very least, it's being performed so well, I'm happy to just be in the room and experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in terms of the challenges that face contemporary music, I do find a lot of similarities because, you know, in the jazz community, we're constantly talking about how to market and how to get more people out and how to make sure that there's longevity to the form the art form and Mm. and Um, you know, where are the appropriate venues, which is the right. exact same conversation to a large extent that's happening in the contemporary classical world.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, and for us too, you know, right. like, keep your interviews to three minutes or nobody will watch them. So right. <laughs> we haven't learned that yeah, lesson no. here. Well, you know, yeah, no.
1: can you get in three minutes? I mean, come on. Exactly. You know, it's on YouTube. You can always skip through. Yeah, yeah get this to the juicy is bits. true. Um, <laughs> So it's, it's very interesting to work in those two worlds and, and see those similarities. And while there's a like very strong conversation about space in the, in the contemporary classical world, similar conversations are happening in the jazz world. Mm-hmm. You know. So part of me is a bit cynical and thinks that any space dedicated to one or the other um, may not be feasible in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Rents and leases being what they are, real estate being what it is in the city. So I'm hoping that there's some way for the two communities to yes. actually work Actual together. Actual
0: synergies in Absolutely. terms of resources and space. And yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. I'm sure we'll talk about that well, one again. Well, you
1: know, and and it, it in, in my mind, it, it in my perhaps simplistic brain, like it, it, it just mm-hmm. makes sense. We're we're having these same conversations. Why are we having them separately? Why not get together and, and you know? And there's that sort of natural bridge where there's whatever you want to call it. There's traditional jazz whatever various forms that takes. There's the, the contemporary classical music in whatever forms they take. And, and there's then there's sort of improvised music. A kind of
0: improv
1: which, middle term. Right, so there's, there are yeah. classical contemporary musicians that are improvising sort of creative music and there's more jazz musicians that are yeah. in that world. So there's actually that already that natural bridge.
0: The you continuum know. with a small c. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
1: And so when you look at a place like somewhere there, Right. You look like in a, a group like Aim Toronto, I mean, there are mechanisms in place for musicians from both of these worlds to already get together and share. So to just sort of broaden that conversation a little bit would be very interesting.
0: And we'll have that one another time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Sounds you. Good. It's and, my pleasure. Uh, enjoy the next ten. Thank you very much. And then the train trip or whatever yes. you're going to Montreal. Yeah, and.
1: absolutely. And then the summer is nice and quiet. So absolutely, that'll be a treat.
0: And thank you, too, for being with us. We'll see you again as well. Bye-bye.